Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep. The application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs. Just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. This podcast is powered by SportString, your digital water cooler. Everyone should take a multivitamin, and it's important to choose one that's high quality. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics, adaptogens, to help start your day right. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no chemicals or artificial anything. Plus it costs less than $3 a day. It's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially during the cold and flu season. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills or supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a one-year free supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash sportsdrink. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash sportsdrink to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. In this episode, I had the honor to speak with Dr. Ahada McCummins. She is the Senior National Director of External Affairs and Organizational Learning for Up To Us Sports. She sits on the Women's Advisory Council and helps lead the She Changes the Game initiative. She is also the founder and CEO of Premier Sports and Leadership Academy, a girl-focused youth sports organization. Dr. Ahada has been a champion of women and girls for her entire career, and you will hear her passion in this episode. You will also find out who her celebrity crush was in high school and learn about her time as a Bales bondsman. 
My guest today is Up To Us Sports, Senior National Director of External Affairs and Organizational Learning. She has been an advocate and champion of women and girls for her entire career. In her role at Up To Us Sports, she sits on the Women's Advisory Council and helps lead the She Changes the Game initiative. She is the founder and CEO of Premier Sports and Leadership Academy, a girls-focused youth sports organization. She is also a high school state championship volleyball coach. Welcome, Dr. Ohada McCummings, to Stay Fierce. Thank you. Thank you so much, Val. Thank you for having me. You are welcome. So let's get right into it because I have quite a few questions. Um, I want to, okay. I, I got to know, um, what's your origin story? How did you get started in sports? So, I, you know, I've been involved in sports from a very young age. Um, I started out probably in about kindergarten was my first experience with sports. I was a, a figure skater and oh. I did figure skating. The time, yeah, I, I did figure skating wow. from the time I was in ele- from uh, kindergarten all the way up through high school, um, and um, yeah, and and skated competitively. And so, you know, my mom was always the one who took me to all of the competitions and everything. And so we would we would travel between Denver, Colorado, that's where we were at the time, and and uh, Wyoming and all of the surrounding states. And, and I competed in, in figure skating. Um, but then after that, I then got into volleyball when I got to high school. Um, okay. Stopped figure skating. It was a, It's a tiring sport, you know, practices early in the morning before school and then coming back after school. Um, the training schedule was, was just really, really strenuous. And at the time, my mom was battling with what she didn't know at the time was um, MS. And so she was having these episodes and, you know, stress would sort of, you know, exacerbate the problems. And we later found out that it, it was diagnosed as MS. But I just kind of felt like, you know, my mom didn't need that added stress of getting into oh. practices in the morning. And I could take a step back and do something different. Um, and so I got into volleyball. But I have brothers that played sports. My uh, One of my brothers played football. He was... Um, he played uh, at the collegiate level at Syracuse University um, and then went on and, and played um, a little stint in, in the NFL um, and also the Arena League. And so it's just been a natural part of, of our lives. Um, our, pa- our parents were educators, but they also believed that we had to do something, that we weren't allowed to sit at home and just kind of chill and watch TV. Mm-hmm. We had to find interest. And, and it didn't matter what it was, whether it was music, because I played the piano as well, whether it was music or sports, whatever it was, we needed to find something to be interested in and, and be active in. And so it's been a part of our lives since, the, since early. Well, how did you find figure skating? Like some people are like, well, let's try soccer or let's try basketball. You tried figure skating. Where did that come from? I tried figure skating. You know, we lived in Denver. And I believe how I got interested, Val, if I'm remembering correctly, I think a, a little class friend may have had like a party at like a figure skating rink, you know, and so okay. all of the kids are just kind of there at the rink. And I was like, wow, this is this is pretty cool. <laughs> you know, this is interesting. This was fun. Um, and I just took a liking to it. And, um, and that was, that was the start of it. It just sort of started as a little party thing with some friends and, um, and, and I was intrigued by it. And so, yeah, so my mom was like, well, let's, let's get her signed up. So, you know, you do the little shows at the times of hockey games when you're little, you do all that stuff and then you decide to get serious about it. And that came a little bit later, but yeah, yeah, that's how I got introduced. Now, there couldn't have been that many girls that looked like you in figure skating. No, none. I don't think when I, at my age, I didn't see any. I didn't see any. Um, and, you know, that's been, for some reason, I've managed to pick sports who, where we're not represented because I then got into volleyball mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. where it's gotten better over the years. Um, but the representation of girls of color wasn't there either. And so I've always had this understanding that um, in this feeling, really, that I needed to be really, really good at it 
um, so that no one could ever discredit me or discount me um, because I didn't look like everybody else. Um, and, and I didn't have really the luxury of, of not putting my best foot forward because mm. even at a young age, you sort of feel this weight, <laughs> right, wow. that I'm representing um, something that's not there. Um, so yeah, and in my, both of my daughters, I have two daughters that are 24 and 21 and they both play volleyball. Um, and as I said, it's gotten better, but they too experienced being the only black girl on their team and having to, you know, having to deal with those types of situations where you're begging a setter to set you the ball. You're, you know, you're not understanding why you're not getting the same treatment that your teammates are. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's still, it's still prevalent, unfortunately. Well, I was listening to, um, one of your interviews and you spoke about how one of your daughters had a, an incident with racism in college. I think it was college. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, was her, it was her college. Yeah. She, um, she got a scholarship to UNC Pembroke. Um, and you know, it was one of those things where she gets, she gets to the team, she's a freshman, um, and wants to do really well, you know, as all athletes do. Um, but the coach who ended up being her coach was not the coach who recruited her. Um, the coach that recruited her was a black female who ended up getting fired right before the season started. Um, so, you know, so then you're like, okay, now what do we do? Because here I thought I was going to be mentored, um, by a black female in this sport. She's now gone. And now I'm, you know, I have to put my hands into the coach of someone who did not, who, who didn't seek me out. You know, this is, <laughs> I'm just here because I had already signed. Right. And so, um, yeah, there were some struggles on that team. And there was an incident where they were playing, you know, at a tournament. Um, and one of her teammates, believe it or not, it wasn't even a different team. <laughs> one of her teammates, as they were sitting around kind of relaxing before the next game, um, made a comment to another uh, Black teammate and called her um, the N-word. Um, so. Yeah. So she's calling me and she's upset and she doesn't know what to do because her instinct, right, is to, you know, smack the girl or do something. But she knows that she's on scholarship. And so she's like, what do I do? She doesn't want to lose her scholarship, but she also doesn't want to be quiet. Right. Um, and so they get into it into the in the locker room. and You're yelling back and forth. but They never say anything to the coach about it. Mm. Um. Yeah. Yeah. And I, as a mother and as a mother of color said, yeah, that's unacceptable. Your coach needs, your coach absolutely needs to know what's going on. Um, and so, you know, I let the coach know. Um, and interestingly enough, Val, what ended up happening was it was the end of the season anyway. So they didn't really have any more games to play, but they did suspend that player suspended her. However, when spring season came back around, she was allowed to play again. Um, and not only was she allowed to play, but when she graduated, she came on staff as one of the coaches. Huh. So, <laughs> wow. you know, and that's not the only incident um, of racism that she experienced within that school and within that athletic department, other teams, other sports, had experienced the same thing. Um, and so it's, it's one of those things where these young people don't know what to do with that, right? They don't know what to do that, especially when the adults who are in the situation should be making some choices which are in their best interest. And it's just not happening, just not happening. Um, and so, yeah, it was a struggle for her, a, a learning experience for her, certainly, um, but a struggle to continue to play at an institution where she didn't feel supported as a black female, as a black athlete, um, and downright disrespected, quite honestly, you know, to turn around and allow a young lady who calls a teammate an N-word to then be on the coaching staff. Um, 
totally unacceptable. Totally unacceptable. Um, but one of those learning experiences, she learned from that, um, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. Yeah, that's that's maddening. Uh, and my sons play soccer. My my oldest still does play soccer. He's normally the only on the court. It's, it's gotten a little better in college, but high school, mm-hmm. um, he had experiences being racially bullied from his teammates or from from the other team. So um, I think the biggest disappointment I had as a parent is when we were more like we were offended, but the other person, black kid on a team wasn't. Does yeah. that make sense? Like we knew it was yeah. bad, but the Absolutely. other kid was like, oh, Absolutely. it's okay. Absolutely. So that was, that was Absolutely. hard. Yeah, there exists even within our own culture, this sort of excusing, right? That, um, well, they didn't really mean it that way, or it's not really the way that you're taking it isn't, you know, there's these excuses that happen um, that make, especially people. Now, I'm very clear. I was very clear about what it was when it happened. However, young people, right, who have never had that experience before, and you're hearing some of your um, teammates of color sort of minimize the situation as well, can make you think, well, am I? overreacting and you know maybe I am you know not seeing this correctly um but lucky for her she has a mother who's, who's very clear about what it is and and explains to her <laughs> what it is and you know and I'm so proud of her because you know when we went into the pandemic and um the death of George Floyd happened the university's athletic department um posted as many do right and as many did um posted a statement on uh, Facebook and on social media about how they stand with their Black athletes um, and how they support their Black athletes. And um, I was so proud of my daughter that she responded to that post, which was written by um, by the AD, that I hope that is sincerely what you are wanting to do now. However, that has not always been the case. You have not always wow. stood with your black athletes. You have not always stood with and supported your black athletes. And so hopefully moving forward, that's what you will do. Um, and I was so proud of her, you know, to to stand up and, and say, um, you know, call BS when you need to call BS. Um, and hopefully it gets better. Um, and luckily, the you know, thankfully, the, the AD reached out to her. And they had a conversation and she was able to voice to him how she did not feel supported by the athletic department. Um, and again, no hard feelings, but I hope you all do better um, moving forward. So I, I'm happy that she found her voice in that um, and, and spoke up and spoke up. And I hope I hope all athletes of color do the same thing when they see it and when they feel it and, um, and, and, and aren't getting the support and the respect that they deserve. Oh, good for her, for sure. And, you know, it helps to have, to feel like you have a coach that's on your side uh, as well. And I'm sure she felt on on an island. And what I like about um, Up to Us Sports is that you are training your coaches, not, not just to be great coaches of skills, but the stuff that they need off the court. Um, the diversity and inclusion, right. um, the life skills, right. and it's and you get so much more out of sports than just becoming a better basketball player, or becoming a better volleyball player. Um, so what? Absolutely. What drew you to um, to up to us sports as an organization? Yeah, you know, I, I came to up to us sports a friend of mine. So again, I've been working with girls and girl athletes for, for a long time. And um, a friend of mine, Dwayne Kennan, who I went to school with at Syracuse, he was one of my brother's uh, teammates, um, was doing some work. He's from Brownsville, um, Brooklyn, New York. And he works in the space of, of consulting. And so we were working on a project of doing something around volleyball in Brownsville. And up to us sports was um, debuting their new keep girls in sport curriculum, um, which was developed with Adidas. And they were doing this clinic in New York. And he said, Hey, I want you to come up 
and let's check out this clinic and see what this curriculum and stuff is about. And so that's what I did. And I, I flew to New okay. York, um, went to the clinic. And that's, that was really my first real introduction to Up to Us and what they were about. And what really struck me was their initiative, because that was when the She Changes the uh, Game initiative first came about. And, and I said, man, for some reason, it just resonated with me that I needed to in some way be a part of it. Didn't know what that really was going to look like. Um, but in some way needed to ensure that um, that curriculum and that initiative and the mission of the organization um, was in some way connected to the work that I was doing as well. And so that was really my first introduction to them. And the fact that, you know, that, that up to us was training coaches who live and work in the communities that they're serving, right. That, um, right. that were work because those coaches, the majority of our coaches are youth as well. They're 18, majority of them are 18 to 25 in that age group. And so I said, wow, what, what a powerful tool to be able to train young people who are working with younger people, right? And teach them about all of the, all of these life skills. Um, and not only teach them the life skills, but teach them how to transfer it from what they're doing in sport to what they're doing in their jobs, what they're doing in school, what they're doing in their communities. Um, and what a powerful tool to be able to do that. And so, um, you know, at this stage in my life, in my career, I always feel like job opportunities and career opportunities need to be in alignment with who I am as a person. And and this was just yes. a natural fit and an alignment with who I am. Yeah. So what he just kicked the door down and said, I'm going to work for you. And they're like, sure, come on in. <laughs> <laughs> I introduced myself to Paul, the CEO, at that event. He happened to be there. Um, introduced myself. We exchanged cards. And probably about six or seven months later, um, a position opened up at Up to Us Sports. Um, I believe it was like a training manager position. And I said, well, mm-hmm. you know, Dwayne said, maybe you should apply for this and, and see what this is about. And I applied, but then there were a couple other positions that were open as well. And so I think I ended up, uh, I think I ended up interviewing for probably about three different positions um, before we finally said, here's what this position is, should look like for me, right? Okay. Again, I'm, I'm no chicken now, so I'm at that age in my life and that time in my career where I can say, here's what I think makes sense rather than here's the position and I need to fit into a position. And so, um, you know, Paul has, has been one of these people who sees that and recognizes that in people and says, there's some value in what you bring and let's figure out what that is. And so my, my title has kind of morphed a couple times here. Um, but it's always been so that it's in the best interest of what um, the organization needs from me and what I can help them with. So, yeah, so kicked it down a little bit, maybe just kind of made some noise. Hey, remember me? Here I am. I, I talked to you at the, at the training and here's why I think I can be of value for you. Well, I know we're talking about positions and jobs. I need to know how you became a Bell's bondsman. <laughs> so that that is that is a funny story. So when I I got married somewhere around 25, 26 years, had kids very early on. Um, and then, you know, life takes a turn and you find yourself in a divorce and um, was living in, in Atlanta at the time with my kids and decided I need to go be with my family, right? If I'm not going to be in this marriage, I need to have the support that I need to have. Moved to North Carolina where my parents had retired. And um, had a good friend, who a female friend who was a bail bondsman. And at the time, I'm trying to figure out what's my next move, right? I've got to be able to take care of these kids. Um, and I want to do it in a way that I'm not dependent on anyone to do that. I want to make sure that I, I'm doing it and it's me. Um, and so she was 
bail bonding her and her her fiance and she said hey why don't you if you want to make some extra money uh come on and and do some bail bonding okay what do i need to do so i took the course you had to take a certification course to do it um Mm -hmm. and within probably a couple months i became a certified bail bondsman so that was that was really it it was really just this desire to be able to do what I needed to do for my kids. And at the time, Val, I was working, that was like the third job that I had. I was working for the county, working with pregnant teens. I would get up at two o'clock in the morning and go sling boxes at UPS. And then on weekends, I'd go to the jail and and, and bail out (laughs) people out of jail. So um, luckily for me, I didn't have to do any any bounty hunting. I was never really in majorly dangerous situations. Um, but yeah, but I okay. did go into jails and they, and they out. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have an inmate that sticks out in your mind? Um, the ones that stick out for me again, because I'm a mom, because I'm a mom of girls are the women, the women and the young girls who find themselves in situations that they did, that they weren't really anticipating happening. Um, yeah. or the ones that find themselves in situations, um, you know, because of a boyfriend, um, and and now here they are, right in jail, um, and so those are the ones that stick out the most, and um, it's one of those things where you, you you put your mom hat on and you say, hey, listen, I don't want to see you in here anymore. You got You got to make some different choices, um, and so again, I think I've always been in situations where I, where I wanted to reach young girls to just be healthy and make the decisions for themselves, both for their health and their mental well-being um, has just been my drive since I've had kids. That's, that's been what I wanted to do. Well, you are, you are mentoring and coaching as a Bell's Bondsman. That's just crazy to me. I don't know if you saw you see the hindsight, but you were doing what you were meant to do. In that situation, yeah. and I'm yeah. sure they—I mean—they probably didn't expect to see a, a black woman, Bell's bondsman, or someone looked like them, um, or, or a woman, yeah. excuse me, yeah. as well. And I, I believe they probably related to you a lot more. That's why you know representation in whatever we do is so is so it's important. It's so critical. Yeah. It is. It is because you just never know when someone needs to hear from you, you don't know, you don't know um, what people are going through and what their experience is um, until you're in it. And, and you just happen to be that person at that time. And it, and it so helps to hear it from someone who you can relate to and who can say, Hey, I've been where you've been. I've made some of the same choices that you've made. Um, You know, you got, you got to make some different choices. And so, yeah, representation across the board, no matter where we are, it just matters. It just matters. Yeah. I think, um, I didn't even realize it until I look back on my career as a basketball player and growing up, I only had two female coaches and they, they wow. weren't even my real, they're, they were both, um, like my AAU coach, for two different programs. And then that was it. Yeah. Otherwise it was male coaches in college. I had a female coach and I just know, like I was reading some stats and 28% of youth coaches are women. I mean, that's, Mm -hmm. that's ridiculous. I was so shocked when I saw that at the youth, at the youth level, I just figured more moms be out there trying to coach and it, and having a coach that's a, um, a coach that looks like you helps you as a young girl mm-hmm. helps you relate and you're more likely mm-hmm. to stay involved in the sport. Absolutely. I know um, you mentioned she changes the game initiative in the beginning of our conversation. What do you guys hope to accomplish from this initiative? Sure. So we, accom- we hope to accomplish just that Val, that we get more representation of women coaching. So what our aim is to, we sort of made this pledge, right, that we want to reach um, 50% of our coaching, um, of our coaches to be women coaches. 
um, by the 50th anniversary of Title IX. That's what we're aiming to do. Um, and the flip side of that is to get more girls involved in sports. So, you know, when I when I was in my doctoral program, my um, dissertation was about the lack of female leaders in NCAA sports. Um, and what we know, right, is that for women, especially in collegiate sports, for, for women in particular, there's a pipeline that exists for us. And it generally starts with us being an athlete of some sort, then coaching, right? Mm-hmm. And then move, sort of moving through the ranks um, and through that pipeline um, from the very beginning. Now, that pipeline for us is very different than it is for men and especially very different than it is for white men. Um, white men can generally step in to um, a director position without ever having the previous experiences, right? Wow. Without ever being a coach prior to, without ever having played prior to. Um, so their pipeline is very different. And so I think it's really important for us that up to us sports to be and to be able to impact that pipeline and to get women coaching early on so that our young girls see us so that they see us so that their experience now isn't like yours where they never, they haven't come across, you know, a female coach until later, later in life. Right. We want them to be able to see that early on. And it's funny because you mentioned when you said, I would think that more mothers would have, you know, volunteer to be coaches. Unfortunately, the exact opposite happens, right? Especially in youth sports. And when you go to rec leagues, and I remember this because my kids started out in rec leagues, right? You go to these rec leagues and usually parks and recs are hurting for coaches and they need volunteers. And generally who generally volunteers are fathers. It's like whether they know something about the sport or not, (laughs) right? They don't even right. have to know nothing about it. But hey, I played some type of sport when I was little. I can surely coach. And so they sign up and they say, <laughs> I will coach. And generally what happens is mothers say, well, I will manage. I'll be in charge of snacks. And I'll be in charge of managing, you know, the kids and the girls having activities and stuff like that. And so we sort of fall into these roles, right? These gender roles that we um, kind of grew up with, right? That that's our role. I'll be the support. He'll be, he'll take the lead and be the coach. And what I really want mothers and women, not just mothers, grandmothers, aunties, cousins, right? To understand that their presence matters. That, um, that young girls, whether it's your daughter, your granddaughter, your niece, whoever it is, needs to see someone like you in those positions. They just need to see it. And that's what keeps us as girls in sports. Because if we don't continue to see ourselves, a lot of girls will will drop out of their sport. By the time that they're 14, we drop off in youth sports at twice the rate that boys do. Um, And it's for a number of reasons. And a lot of it does have to do with, I don't see myself here. Then there's also, you know, the stereotypes that come with being a, a girl athlete. Um, that girls are still dealing with, still dealing with, you know, sexuality and sports. So there's all, there's a multitude safety for girls who are in under-resourced communities. I don't feel safe getting to practice, right? And so all of these reasons are why moms are so vital and women are so critical to keeping girls involved in, in their sport. And that's what we want to do, you know, and yeah. up to us is, is get, we are, are making a deliberate and an intentional effort to get more women into coaching um, through recruiting events, through how we connect organizations who are girl-focused organizations, how we connect with other organizations to get them to pledge, to look for and hire more women, um, because we really need people to understand how important it is. And you, that initiative is that is that the one that's sponsored by Adidas? So the initiative itself is our initiative, our organization's initiative. We 
partnered with, so we took our She Changes the Game initiative and we partnered with Adidas and their She Breaks Barriers initiative. And we developed, yep. And together, up to us and Adidas developed a Keep Girls in Sport digital curriculum, which is a free curriculum online, keepgirlsinsport.com, that anybody who mentors girls, who coaches girls can use. Um, to get some strategies and, and some tools for when you're engaging with young girls. Um, but yeah, so that was the partnership for up to us and Adidas to come together to create something, create something to help those people who are working with young girls. Nice. It's so, it's so needed. Um, when I was like, I didn't even start playing basketball the seventh grade, but it wasn't something mm-hmm. that girls did. I wanted to be yep. a cheerleader. So, um, and I got started by accident. It, it was my math teacher yeah. said, why don't you yeah. come off of basketball, right? But now I just thought it was just different. I just felt like girls yeah. were staying yeah. sports. You know, they, you know, social media, you got girls yeah. getting highlighted, but it sounds like it's getting harder for to keep young women in sports. Yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult. Um, you know, there, there is still this, this stigma attached to what we're supposed to look like, what we're supposed to, what our bodies should look like, um, how we're supposed to act when we're involved in sports. I think, you know, I think with this generation, maybe the generation prior, um, prior to this one, that it's starting to get better, that women and girls are starting to define for ourselves what that should look like. And we're no longer just accepting what someone else says we should look like and how we should be. And so the more that our athletes speak up about that, right, the more our coaches speak up about that, the more we get girls who are willing to say, okay, I can be me. Now it's okay. It's acceptable because I see this athlete, I see this coach being who she is and fully owning who she is. And so maybe it is okay for me to step up and do that now. So I'm hoping that the shift is happening. I think the shift is happening, right? I hear some of these young girls. We did a Young Voices series um, last year in which we brought on some girls from um, from uh, Oakland Lacrosse. And, um, and these young girls were... Absolutely phenomenal, Val. I mean, just the way they spoke and the passion they had and the knowledge they had about the situations that they're in as girl athletes. Number one, girl athletes who are in a sport who seen, which is seen as a boy sport, right? And having to deal with all of those issues. Um, they were just so intelligent um, and so well-spoken that that gave me hope that there's a shift that's happening. There's a shift that's happening. Young girls are now saying, forget you guys, we're going to do it our way. And we don't care what you think about us. We don't care what you say about us. We don't have to be accepted by you. Um, We just want to play. We just want to play like everybody else. And so I have hope. I have hope that it is getting better. Yeah, I find that, um, I don't know if I told you, I'm I'm on TikTok. And um, yeah. my yeah. account is dedicated to f- the female athlete, but I get a lot of girls who are bullied in school just because they are a, a young lady who plays sports. Mm-hmm. And some mm-hmm. some of them have quit as a response, or some of them had have dug in more ju- just to sure. you know to stay determined and pers- and persevere. Sure. But um, yeah. I've learned so much just being on this app because. I didn't realize how what they're what what they're up against. I didn't get bullied for being a basketball player. Um, right. I right. didn't. No one told me to stay in the kitchen and make them a sandwich. But boys right. are saying this to them. So I think it's so yeah. important um, to have a coach that, that looks like you that continues to um, sow into you and feed you with you know, um, affirm- affirmations and, and strength yeah. that, because that, you have to face so much when you're out at school or, you know, in the, at the mall Absolutely. or whatever. So um, I, I applaud this, the program that you have um, 
that you guys partner with with Adidas. I'm gonna hopefully I'm gonna look it up myself because I I don't have yeah daughters. Yeah. I have two boys, but I've just always like yeah. you had a passion for for young girls and empowering them. But I think it's it's equally important, Val, um, for boys to see women coaching as well, right? Yes, that I think that the more young boys see women coaching the more we're able to dispel those myths and make it a little bit easier for our girls that, um, that, wow, you know, coach Val is awesome. (laughs) You know what I mean? And for a boy to see that and get rid of these myths that they've picked up from wherever, from society, from their family, from wherever that girls shouldn't be here, right? That you, you don't belong in this space. Well, to see someone who's coaching you, to see someone who's leading you, um, says something very different to young boys. And so I think it's equally important for boys to see it as well. It really is. My, my favorite team I ever coached was my son's basketball team. And I still see those kids they, around town. They call me, hey, Coach yep. Val. And they're, I mean, they're like 17, 16, 17 right yep. now. But it was, it was so much fun. And I was a lot of, I was their first coach, some of them. Yes. So yes. It, was, it was a good, yeah, it was an amazing experience. Of course, boys. Yeah. That's another. Yeah. That's another podcast. Coaching boys and coaching girls. For me, I had a different experience, but it was still, it was still fun. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you about because I know you are a licensed um, professional counselor and you've had your own private practice. Um, in the media, we hear a, a lot of stories about athletes with mental health issues. I myself have struggled with them as well. I even took a season off in the WNBA. Um, uh-huh. But then no one was talking about it. I didn't even tell anyone. I was, you know, it was personal, personal reasons. I have air quotes up. Sure. Um, sure. Have you noticed a shift in how we view athletes with mental illness and right now compared to back in the day? Yeah, absolutely. I think that athletes are talking about it more now, right? Um, and it is still, it's not completely out of the dark, but yes. certainly athletes are recognizing that we too struggle. And I think that that's always been the myth now that somehow if you are an athlete, especially a high performing athlete, that somehow you know, the life that you lead doesn't warrant you having depression, doesn't warrant you being yes. anxious, that you reach a certain level of, of um, success as an athlete. So surely you're not dealing with some of the same issues that everyone else is. And so what I think has happened, especially with Simone Biles and, you know, and other athletes who have come out to say, I do struggle with I'm dealing with some mental health issues, right? Um, that now I think, again, athletes can see that and say, okay, this is normal. This is normal. I thought it was just me because nobody was saying anything about it. But clearly there are other people who are experiencing the same things that I am. Um, and I think that we as adults, as coaches and as administrators, also have to make it okay for our athletes. And if for nothing else to be knowledgeable about what the, what the potential um, issues can be, right? We may not be, as coaches, mental health providers, we may not be counselors, but we can certainly recognize when someone is struggling. And we can certainly do our part to make sure that that person feels supported, um, that that person gets the help that they need um, in order to feel better and to be whole and be well. Um, and we can't, I just don't think that we can afford to um, close our eyes and pretend that because you're an athlete that you don't experience the same um, mental woes that, that everybody else does. Um, so I think it's getting better. I think it's getting better. We still have some work to do, um, but it's certainly getting better. I I agree. I, I think that, um, yes, the stigma is still there, but 
we we seem to be better educated about it and 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 when you have major athletes like uh, Kevin Love for example come out and talk mm-hmm. about what he deals with you know big strong mm-hmm. 6-8 guy it it, it, it right. makes it more That's real right. you know and so I wish That's I right. had that right. I wish I had that um but when I was playing in the WNBA cuz I was like what's wrong with me I'm supposed to be a warrior, right? You know, I'm supposed to be fighting right. as a play through this stuff, and I couldn't play through it. Right. So, um, that's I'm I'm really pleased. And I and as a parent, I'm constantly, I don't know, I don't know if I'm overmothering, but I'm always like, "Are you okay?" You know, I'm always asking them and looking at them and and looking for signs. Well, even though they think you know, I know, right? You know from your own experience that there is the potential, especially as an elite athlete. You know, elite athletes um, sort of get separated from from regular people, right? That that that's what we do as a society. That is that we hold them to a different standard, and they become separate, and somehow they become superhuman. And that, in of itself, is is riddled with anxiety. That now I have to not only do I have to perform well, but I have to up old this image that people have of me yes. um and that can be that can be um just a very lonely place to be um and so i don't know that it's over mothering val i think that it's it's it is recognizing what the potential is that it exists and that it can exist for anybody even your own kids and so you know, we as parents do whatever we can to try to keep our kids from experiencing some of the same woes that we have. Um, and, and ultimately, some of them they're going to experience anyway. I don't think that we, you know, we haven't developed that magic wand to stop our kids from its life, experiencing life. But hopefully we are in a better position to give them the tools that they need to navigate it. And, and maneuver through it and, and become out whole, become whole on the other side. So um, keep mothering, keep mothering. Okay. And, and right. mother any, right. Yeah, and mother any other child that you see um, may be struggling, right? Um, that's the important piece of this when you're talking about mental wellness. It's just recognizing when someone's not fully well, not fully well, and, and, and then offering that support. Now you were you not were you are a sort of you're certified in mental training. Did you ever have a situation mm-hmm. where you were working with an athlete that you had to mm-hmm. refer him or her to a, a therapist or a psychiatrist? Yes, yes. So I've had you know I'm in a unique position in that I've had to separate sort of these roles, right? Um, I did at one time. I don't have a current. Um, license in counseling. Um, it's inactive. Once I stopped actually practicing and diagnosing, um, I mm-hmm. switched my practice from counseling to then doing the mental performance thing. And it is two different things, right? It is very separate. So yes, there are athletes that I've started off doing some mental performance work with and recognize that this person needs some additional support um, and I don't want to blur those lines, right. right? And say, let me give you a diagnosis because I can. I have the training to be able to do that. But I always want to keep that separate. I always want to make sure that they understand that I am here to help you with your performance mentally. But what's happening in terms of your mental health or mental health disorder needs to be addressed by a therapist. And so, yeah, I have had people that I've done consulting with where I've had to make a referral. Now, I'm one that I'll make a referral to several different things, right? Because not everyone wants to go to a psychiatrist or a licensed therapist. And there are other ways to deal with mental health issues. There are holistic ways to deal with it. And so I try to have a, you know, a long list of different ways that you can go about seeking help. Um, to heal and be well. Um, And sometimes that, you know, that includes other, you know, unconventional methods, Western medicine, that type of thing. So I think it's, it's in the position that I sit in, I think it's important for me to have knowledge about 
everything that exists for people to um, to seek to seek help other than just one particular way. Because not everybody wants to have a counselor, you know. Um, sure. People want to go at it a different way, and I think that that's their right to do that. Um, and and again, my job is to support them in any way that I can. So, right now, I don't know, we're sh- shifting lanes, but you are actually living mm-hmm. my dream. I kind of I'm a little jealous because I always wanted to have a sports and leadership academy, and you and you really? have yes. I always wanted to, one. I wanted to have it for girls only, and I it want I wanted to uh-huh. be life skills and mental mindset mm-hmm. training, every everything, fitness, speed and jelly equipment, and mm-hmm. you have you know the premier sports and leadership academy. Um, yeah. And it, it just falls into what you what you've been doing your whole life, so it's like a no brainer. Yeah. But um, and I know you you started out as a volleyball club. When did, did. how did you yeah. when did you go from volleyball to sports and leadership academy? So I I I started the volleyball club because my daughters were both playing club volleyball at the same time, which. Um, anybody who is in that whole club scene is expensive. It is expensive. And here I was, you know, as a single mom with these two girls playing club volleyball. And I wasn't seeing them getting everything that I needed them to get. Right. I saw that clubs were um, interested in their athletic ability Uh and what they could bring to the club in terms of their athleticism, but I didn't see a whole lot in terms of what are, what else are you doing to foster and to, and to nurture who my daughters are, right? Um, and so it was twofold. I decided to do this, the club, because I wanted to stop paying dues. I said, if, if I'm going to do this and get all these tournaments and whatever, I can coach it myself. I can do that. Um but I also wanted to give them something different. I wanted to give them this connection from their sport to the lessons that I wanted all girls to learn in life, right? And that is how to love themselves unconditionally. That is how to make good choices about their lives and about their health and about their wellness. Um, and just to be the best versions of themselves that they could possibly be. Um, and so that's when I decided to switch it from just the volleyball club to a leadership and sports academy. And so really what I do with my teams is we teach them, number one, we do the mental performance training as a part of the programming, right? So it's not just your sport. You're also doing the mental performance um, piece. You're also doing education around nutrition. Um, and wellness. Um, but you're also learning how to be a leader. You're also mm-hmm. learning how to um, not just hear that you have to be disciplined to be an athlete, but that you fully understand what that means. You fully understand what it means to be committed to something. You fully understand what it means to um, to be there for someone else, to be a part of a team to uh, to really bond as a team. And so those were the things that I wanted, the girls that I came across, the girls that my daughters came across, those were the things that I wanted them to walk away with when they left my club. So whether they decided to play in college or beyond or not, that they would leave feeling like, you know what, I've learned some valuable lessons that I'm going to use regardless of whether I'm playing my sport. Um, and that was important for me. That was important for me. And so now, even with my girls being grown and off and doing their own thing, um, I'm still committed to that. I'm still committed to to girls getting those lessons. I love it. So what advice would you give to yourself, your younger self, your figure skating slash volleyball self? The advice I would give myself probably is that I am absolutely 100% enough and worthy of everything that I want to accomplish. Um, and while I heard that from my parents, you know, there's still this level of not always believing it, right? Yes. Not always believing 
that that's true. Um, and we, we, we hear things from other people and we let that infiltrate our minds and somehow that becomes the self-talk that we have. And so, yeah, that would be the advice for my younger self is absolutely believe that you are worthy of everything that you're striving for, that you are enough to have everything that you're striving for, um, that you don't need to seek anything outside of yourself, um, you know, to, to be and to do all of those things that you want to be and do. Um, and I wish I had learned that I, I you know, I, I look at my girls and I feel like they know that and they've known that at a much earlier age than yes. me. And yeah. so, um, you know, it, I'm like, wow, I, I see some of the things they do and the things they say and, and how they are and the confidence that they hold. And I'm like, Man, I wish I had that. I know. I, I know. Age. I feel the same way. I feel the same way about my, about my sons. I feel exactly. I'm like, yes. I just, I'm 50 and, and I feels just good. This out. Yeah. It feels so good to see people, especially people who are your offspring, right? Getting some lessons um, a lot sooner than you did. And, 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 Ultimately, that's what we always want for our kids. But again, I want that for all girls. I want all girls to step into this world and feel confident and and not hold back and not feel like they have to be a smaller version of themselves just to get by. And so um, as much as I can do to get girls to see that as early as possible, you know, I'm willing to do. I'm willing to do. All right. Well, that just ended our main set of questions, and that was perfect ending for that. Now I have some rapid-fire awesome. questions, which are okay. It's like the overtime okay. of a basketball game, totally random, okay. nothing okay. to do with sports. Well, one does. Okay. But do you okay. put sugar or salt in your grits? Salt. All right. I like you more already. <laughs> <laughs> does pineapple belong on a pizza? Yes. Oh, do you put, do you put the Canadian, the Canadian bacon on as well? Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, did you ever have, not did you ever have, what, who was your high school celebrity crush? Oh, wow. Um, probably like late high school into, into college was, um, Buster Rhymes. Buster Rhymes. Wow. Yeah. Yes. Now I'm yes. looking at him differently now. <laughs> nice chocolate. And he brother. came to Syracuse. Yes, he came to Syracuse to perform um my freshman year of college and I was just like awestruck. Oh my goodness. Okay, is he tall? Is he short? Like what is he? He's tall. He's you know, he's just this, you know, rough and rugged you know, hardcore rapper, um, but very intelligent, right? That was, that was the, that was the draw was that he could have this persona of just being so hard, but was also when you heard him speak was also so very intelligent. And so um, I think that was the draw that there was this balance, right? Um, of, yeah. of how he existed. All right. Buster Rhymes. I'm looking at him differently. I never yeah. saw him as, I just always saw him as a rapper that could rap really fast. Really fast. Um, yeah, that's all. I got to I gotta look deeper into his life. Um, yeah, yeah. What is, what is a hidden talent that you have? Hidden talent. Um, I would say it used to be that I played the piano. That's, that's probably not happened for some years now. But yeah, I, I, I played the piano again from, from the time I was probably first grade through college. Um, wow. and loved it. And yeah, and it's, it's one of, I rarely regret things in my life now, but that is one of my regrets that I stopped playing. That is, that is one regret that I have in my life that I stopped. Do you have a piano now? No, like I a- sold my piano. I had one. I had one when, um, when the girls were young, it was sort of a, a, a family gift to ourselves. Um, because I was, I've never been big on, on a lot of gifts for Christmas. We always did, the girls and I always did either one family thing or we went on a trip together. 
And the girls one year said that they wanted to learn how to play the piano. So I bought a piano. Um, and I had it and then we moved and I had to, I had to sell it. But I, but it's funny that you asked because I really have been thinking lately that I want to purchase another one and and get yeah i'm a whole i think i might hold you to that i think you need you need like that gives you some balance between work and your academy being a parent it does it was my way to relax right it was my escape it was in addition to sports it also served as this sort of escape to just whatever was bothering me or on my mind that i could sit down at a piano and just kind of you know, be taken away for a little bit. All right. Next question. Um, candy corn, nope or dope? Nope. Man, I didn't know so many people didn't like candy corn. Nope. I did when I was younger. And then the older I get, I was like, this is really quite nasty. (laughs) (laughs) I still like it. I, 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 I'm embarrassed to say. Yeah. No, I nope, not anymore. Mm-mm. However, I, I didn't have any this season, um, this candy corn season, but I, I normally yeah. do get yeah, yeah. get it. Um, if you had to eat one thing for every meal going forward, what would you eat? One thing every meal, crab legs, Val. Yeah, I love Alaskan. I love. Um. Any kind, any, any I like kind of crab legs. Crab legs. I just, I just love them. I don't know why it was. And it started, that love started with my uh, first child. It was one of the cravings that I had with her came out of nowhere. Never really was a crab eater before, but somehow it was like, it was an, an expensive craving. Cause almost every day I was like, I need to have some crab legs, but haven't lost it since I could eat them every day. At least it's healthy. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I not could eat, like creme brulee. Yeah, you got that's a healthy um, oh. meal going forward. Ooh, that's a good one too. That's my favorite dessert. Is it? It is. I love it. I, it it's is. on the menu. I'm going to order it. it. Oh, absolutely! Without it, um, yeah, yeah, for sure. What person, dead or alive, would you want to sit down and have coffee with? Hmm. I think the person I would like to sit down and have coffee with probably is, oh, I hope I don't cry when I say this, but probably my mom. My mom passed away about seven years ago and she was my biggest fan. And so to be able to sit down with her again, that's who I'd want to sit down with. Hmm. I have to go upstairs and hug my mom after this is over. Right. Please do. Please do. Listen, I am so sensitive to um, mothers. Uh, When you lose one, um, if I see any of my kids, you know, in the gym or anybody I come across who, you know, kids talk crazy sometimes to their parents. And so anytime I see anybody talking crazy or mistreating their their mother, ooh, honey, it does something to me. I'm like, you can't do that. That. That's that's one and only. That is the one and only. So um, a whole nother. And I, I've always had an appreciation for her and who she was. Um, but man, when when she's gone, it's, it takes it to a whole nother level. So yes, go hug her. Go hug her. Go okay, hug her. Um, definitely. Um, if you were a pro wrestler, what would your entrance theme song be? Ooh. Jill Scott, living my life like it's golden. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> I'm I'm, I'm going to listen to that when it's over when this is over too because I haven't heard that right? song in a minute. All right, yes. who is your yes. favorite? Oh, I know. Oh, have you watched um, First Wives Club? I have not. I haven't been able to get it. Something is going on with my streaming device, and I haven't been able to get it. So. I'm going to have to get that figured out um, so that I can watch it. But yeah, everybody keeps telling me, please watch it. Yeah, yeah. She's on there. She's good as usual. Um, who's your favorite cartoon character? Ooh. Um, um, 
Ooh, that's a good question. That's a good question. I think when I, I was younger, my favorite. Younger, now, this is I'm probably going to date myself, but when I was younger, um, Underdog was my was one of my favorite yeah. cartoons. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Underdog. <laughs> I think we, you and I, must be around the same age. Panther. I thought Pink Panther was just so yeah. cool. Um, those were my two favorites. I liked um, Inspector Gadget. Oh well. yeah, yeah, I, I did like <laughs> Inspector Gadget too. But yeah. Okay, last question: Who do you think is the greatest female athlete of all time? Ooh. That's a good one. Um, there's so many. I I want to go with I want to go with Wilma Rudolph. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm gonna go. With, I'm gonna go with Rudolph. Wilma just, Rudolph. Just, mm-hmm. just her just story. Her number story. one, that yeah. overcome having having what was it? She had a quick foot. Um, and um, then become, and become a sprinter, sprinter, and a sprinter in the time, at the time that she was, that she was around with all the, the racial injustice that was going on. Um, just so much to overcome, right? Outside of just the sport itself. Um, that I, I'm, I'm going to say she's, she's who I'm going to peg as the greatest. And I have to do some re- more research on her. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So before we go, do you have anything that you want to promote or plug? Um, just, I definitely want to plug our Keep Girls in Sport curriculum. I know I, I mentioned it earlier, but it's keepgirlsinsport.com. Um, that is our collaboration with Adidas. Um, so please go check that out. Um, you know, you can check pretty soon. I'm going to start doing some more speaking engagements at conferences and things like that. That will be on our website, website up to up to up to or, or, um, that you can check out. And, and yeah, just, yeah, just follow just us and see some of the events that we're doing. We also are going to have a podcast, Val. I would love for you to be on my podcast. Yeah, I'm um, there. The guest. Um, and we're going to start doing some podcasts uh, around She Changes the Game as well. And so just stay tuned for so many um, talented and intelligent and um, beautiful women such as yourself, such as yourself, to be uh, to be a part of that podcast. All right. Well, thank you, Dr. Hada, for hanging out with me on Stay Fierce. And I look forward to you, being Sarah. on your podcast as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. Oh, awesome. Thanks for being here.